Last week we went through the entire Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached, and I read through the whole thing and we got really a big picture look at the whole Sermon on the Mount. And there's really a lot in there, as you've probably realized, and, and really a lot of things that are worth taking a closer look at. And so I want to spend the next few weeks doing just that, taking a closer look at some of the parts on the Sermon on the Mount that I feel like I have something that's worthwhile to share about that, or that I just want to spend a little bit more time looking at. So with that in mind, we are going to look at the first passage in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus talks about salt and light. And that's going to be the passage that we'll look at today. Uh, it starts at verse 13, where Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So in these verses, Jesus is calling us to be like salt and like light, and to act in the same way as those things do, but in a spiritual sense rather than a physical sense. So let's break this down a little bit and talk about what it is that salt and light does and, and how do those things work. We'll start by looking at salt. Now salt has several different uses, but probably the primary use of salt historically has been to preserve things, primarily food. It's used to preserve food so that the food doesn't go bad. And the way that salt preserves food is by drying the food and, and really destroying the, mo the moisture around and inside of the food so that the food stays good. Because if that moisture is there, if there's all of that water inside the food and around the food, that's going to be where the bacteria begins to grow. Bacteria grows in that water. And so... What salt does then is it gets rid of that wa water so that the bacteria cannot grow on the food and contaminate the food. That's the way that salt works, and th that's why it also makes for a really good, like, ice melt. If you throw it down on some ice, it's going to destroy that water, destroy that ice and moisture so that the sidewalk isn't so slippery. So in that way... What salt does is it preserves what is good by preventing what is bad. It prevents that water to be present that that bacteria wants to grow in. The bacteria grows in that water, and salt prevents that foundation that is needed for that bacteria to grow. It prevents that bad from getting a foothold, if you will, into this food. So not only is salt keeping what is good good, it is also preventing what is bad from contaminating what is good. 
And those two things walk hand in hand, both physically and spiritually. You see, when it comes to our spiritual life, and especially the impact that we're meant to have on the world around us, what Jesus is saying is to act like salt. So don't just try to keep what is good, good, and protect what is good, and and focus only on keeping good things good, because the way we do that, or one of the ways that we do that, is by preventing what is bad from contaminating what is good. And so it requires us taking a stand against evil and darkness in this world and say that you are not allowed, you are evil, you have to recognize it as evil, call it out as being evil, and say that I am not going to allow that evil to continue. I'm going to say something about it. I'm going to do something about it. I am not going to allow what is evil to grow and to thrive and contaminate what is good. And that's part of the responsibility that Jesus is giving to his followers by calling them to be the salt of the earth. So then he goes on from talking about salt to talking about light. And he even mentions in these verses that you don't light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Because if you cover that light, that light is no longer going to be able to work. Light doesn't work if it's covered. It needs to be placed on its stand. It needs to be in a position where instead of it being covered up, instead of it being hidden and tucked away, it needs to stand in a place where it can do its work throughout the entire room that is currently filled with darkness. Now, remember, if it's talking about light in this time period, it's not talking about electricity, right? It's not talking about a light bulb. It's most likely talking about some kind of flame, maybe a torch or a lamp. It's talking about a fire. Now, if you consider that as well, that the light being referenced here is a flame, a fire, then when you cover that light, not only are you preventing that light from being able to do the work that it needs to do, but also if that fire is completely covered and that flame is cut off from everything around it, including the air around it, what's going to happen is that light is eventually going to die out because it's no longer being fed. And I think this is so important and so applicable in our spiritual life that not only do we need to be letting our faith and letting our relationship with God shine out into the world, not only for the sake of illuminating the darkness, right? Not only for bringing hope to the hopeless and and light to those who are stumbling in darkness, but it's also important so that our own light doesn't slowly flicker out and die as well. And this is why Jesus in this passage, he's telling you, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so he is instructing us in this passage 
to show others our good deeds. Show others our good deeds. Now, if you were paying attention when I was reading through the Sermon in the Mount last week, or if you just know the passage well enough, you might find this to be somewhat contradictory. Because also in the Sermon in the Mount, if you go over to the first verse of Matthew chapter 6, in there Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So on the one hand, he is telling us, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And then in the other verse, he's saying, do not practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. So you might be wondering, well, which is it? Are we supposed to let other people see our good deeds and, and show our good deeds to others so that they can glorify our Father in heaven? Or are we meant to keep them hidden? But he, he tells us to be like a light that is not covered up. So how does this work? How can we not show people our righteousness, but also show them our good deeds? And, and how do we wrestle with being a light in the darkness and also not becoming prideful and wanting to put ourselves on a pedestal. But he says that the light is meant to be put on a pedestal. It, it, instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So how do we take these two ideas and join them together? Jesus is not contradicting himself here. He is giving a very clear message with warnings on both sides. And what he is telling us to do is to place this focus of righteousness, place this focus of good deeds, not on yourself, but on those works that God is doing through you. So the praise isn't coming to you who is doing the good works. The praise is going to our Heavenly Father that is doing that work through us. So then the focus is on those works and not on us ourselves. So if I were to put this into an illustration to help us understand this, think of a character, maybe a character from a book or a character from a show. Just think of some kind of character that somebody has made for a fictional story. That character could be humorous, that character could be evil, or that character can be insightful and set a good example for others to follow. They can be courageous, they can be wise, they can be caring. Now, that character in and of themselves do not exist. And in fact, they are created by someone that brings that character to life. It may be an author, it may be an artist, it may be a team of artists and a production team. It could be an actor that is simply portraying that character. You see, the creator of the character is different from the character themselves. And what Jesus is telling us to do is to allow the character of Christ to shine through the work that we do. 
and to not take that credit as the actor or the author or the artist that is bringing that character of Christ into the world. But instead of taking that recognition onto yourself, you are allowing who Christ is and what he is doing through you to be recognized instead. But it's so important that we don't take that character of Christ and take that those good, righteous works that God is doing through us and cover them up and keep them hidden. Because that what, that's what leads to a world lost in darkness, asking the question, well, where's God? Where is God at work? What is God doing? Because God is doing that work through us, but because we're so fearful of becoming prideful or boastful, we keep all that God is doing through us a secret because we don't want to draw attention to ourselves, right? We don't want to, as the verse goes on, we don't want to let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, right? We don't want to practice our righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And, and so because of that, we're not going to be open or talk about anything that God is doing through us and through our obedience because we don't want to make it about us. And yes, it is important that we don't make it about us, but we still need to allow those works that God is doing through us to inspire others, to show others that God is at work, to show the evidence of what God is doing in the world through our obedience. But if we cover that up, that light inside of us, that fire of Christ that guides us and warms our heart and leads us down those paths of righteousness, if we keep that hidden, then that light is no longer allowed to do the work that it is intended to do. And this faith that we have, this relationship we have with Christ, is not meant to be something that is kept secret from everyone. It is something that is meant to be made evident through our life to draw others into Christ, right? That's part of being Christ's ambassadors, by being the representation of Christ to others, by allowing that light to shine. Not because of who we are, but because of what God is doing through us. But if we keep those things hidden, then we are not truly walking in obedience or in faith. Because that faith needs to be made evident. In fact, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, which is commonly referred to as the faith chapter or, or the hall of faith, right? The hall of heroes of the faith. With the first verse, and, and I prefer the King James version of this verse, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So in that verse, it's describing faith as a physical manifestation 
of a spiritual condition. It's something that can be seen. It's something that can be witnessed and is intended to be witnessed in order to show people who Christ is through our work. Again, we're not doing it for the intent of being praised by others. We're not doing it because we want people to see us. But let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And as long as we're using this example of light, another interesting and noteworthy characteristic about light is that light appears brighter in darker places. The darker a room is, the lighter any kind of light will appear. And there's an important lesson for us to take away from that as well. Because if you take a light and you place it in a room that is already lit up, a room that is already bright, that light is not going to be as helpful in that bright room as it would be in a room with no light at all. And so through that we can recognize and understand that when Christ is calling us to be the light of the world, the most effective light we can be is not one that runs away from darkness. It's one that goes into the darkness to light it up, to illuminate it. Now again, you have to be careful, right? You have to know your limits. Because if a light goes too far into darkness and allows too many things to crowd around it, that light can become smothered out and it would die that way as well. So you don't want that light to be smothered out. And there is value, again, if we're talking about light as a flame, there is value in a flame being fed, and a flame going to a place where there is nutrition, there is fuel, and it can be fed. And, and what greater way to bring a flame to life than by connecting it to a larger flame? And so... There are times when the flame inside of us, right, the faith, the obedience to Christ, when sometimes we need that flame to be fanned, we need to connect it with many other flames to, to reignite us even brighter than before. But we're not meant and intended to stay in that bright room we need to go to where there is not light and be a guiding light to those who are lost, bringing them to the true light of Jesus Christ. This is why we don't just gather, gather up all the followers of Christ, all the believers into the church, and then lock the doors and, and bar the doors and, and board them up, board up all the windows so that nobody can get in and we're here now and we're safe and we can practice the iron sharpens iron and encourage one another and build each other up. And that's all we're going to do now. Because if that's all that the followers of Christ are doing, then they are missing out on their primary purpose, which is to go into all of the world and preach the gospel. 
That flame is not meant to be covered up. It's meant to be put on a stand to give light to everyone in the house. To face head-on dark places and be a light for people who have no light. For people who are in darkness. And that darkness, although we do need to be cautious, we need to be smart about things, we don't want to be reckless, but we also do not want to be fearful of darkness. We don't want to be fearful of evil and shy away from the rest of the world or run away in fear of the world because we want to protect our light and make sure it's strong. And in that way, we cover it up so much that we smother it out ourselves. Remember, if you keep that light covered and don't allow it to shine, don't allow it to be fueled, that light will eventually flicker out and die. And so instead of being fearful of darkness, instead of being fearful of the enemy and evil in this world, which really we have no reason to be fearful of the darkness because the light of Christ, the light that is in us, is so much greater than any darkness of the world. I love how it's phrased in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so we are not meant to live in this fear of the world's darkness. Rather, we are intended to take the light that is within us and go into the dark places to bring the light of Christ into those places. And it's so easy for us sometimes to look at the darkness of the world and to complain about it. And, oh, things are so bad. And, oh, we're going to hell in a handbasket. And, oh, it's all doom and gloom because this generation is far worse than the last generation. And, boy, things just keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But what are you doing about it? Because you are meant to be Christ's ambassadors. You are meant to bring the light into that darkness. What are you doing about it? Don't just complain about it. Look for what you can do. How can you be salt and light? How can you preserve what is good by preventing what is bad? How can you uncover the light of Christ from within you, and let it shine and bring it into those dark places that need it the most. What is around you? Who is around you? What dark situations, rather than complaining about it, can you step into with the light of Christ? What are ways that we can take a stand for the good that comes through Christ in the world around us. Not fearing the darkness, but remembering that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And to go and be light and be salt.
And that's today's sermon in the pocket. I encourage you to think about those things. Think of practical ways that you can be the light of Christ and that you can be the salt of the earth where you are. But until next time, thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you, wherever you're listening to this, like it, rate it, share it, all of those things that you do to help spread that light out for other people to find. But thank you again for taking the time to listen, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Remember to walk in the light of Christ. Thank you.